Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Turn with me over in your Bibles in Ephesians. We've been studying the book of Ephesians, and I'm going to get some help reading tonight. Who feels like reading? Gary, I see that hand. You want to help me read tonight, brother? This is on. Got a hot mic. Yeah, go ahead and sit down there. And uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I got an outline. This chapter is so jam-packed full of information and revelation. Um, I just kind of put it all on an outline for you. And so you can go home with it and have your own Bible study and looking into it. But we talked last week, and these messages are being recorded on our podcast, so I want to welcome our podcast listeners. Um, Been getting a lot of feedback from our uh, listeners out there. They are enjoying this and got some co-workers and other people listening to our ministry, and I'm thankful for that, that we're able to minister to so many people through these different venues. So we've been going through Ephesians last week. We started in chapter... uh, Well, we started a few weeks ago. We're in chapter 4 now. And we took all last week just to deal with the first few verses about uh, walking in unity and how important it is to be united. And uh, let's not make it easy to get offended. Being offended is one of the ways the enemy divides a church and divides people. So we talked about uh, not making it so easy to be offended. And uh, if you weren't here, uh, please go back and listen to that, that message. Because I dove deep into that. So let's, let's go on. I want to get especially to the second half of this chapter. Uh, Gary's going to help us do some reading. And you can read along. I think some of the scriptures are on the screen. It's also in your outline. The next big thing uh, is mentioned there uh, in verse uh, 11 and 12. It's the fivefold ministry. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. But um, I do want to talk a little bit about it. So Gary, why don't you read for us verse 11 and 12. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. always love to pray when we read the word. So God gave to the church these five, what's called the fivefold ministry. Um, you can look at your hand and If you've got five fingers on your hand, it's a good way to use this to remember the apostle is like the thumb. One of the most important parts of your hand is the thumb. And uh, the apostle is the one that is planting churches. Uh, He is the one that brings balance. That's the apostle. The prophet is the pointed finger that always says, thus saith the Lord. And he points and has a message from the Lord. The evangelist is the longest finger on your hand because he goes the furthest the farthest and he and he reaches unreached people groups for Jesus and then the hand is is ends with your pastor and your teacher which many arguably say that that is the same one because most pastors are teachers but it is two separate offices you can also you can be a teacher and not be a pastor but most pastors are able to teach and preach uh, and so that's the fivefold ministry and Paul is just saying after he's talking about unity he then goes into the fivefold ministry, basically saying God gave these five ministries, these fivefold ministries to the church to help keep us balanced and to, number one, to equip us. So the job of a pastor, apostle, evangelist, pastor, and teacher is to equip 
you uh, for the work of the ministry. That's part of my job is to equip you, is to give you the word of God and to teach the word of God in a way that relates to your life, that you can apply it to your life, to equip you to walk out into the world and and face whatever the world's going to throw at you. That's what the word of God is. It's not into entertaining. Church isn't for entertainment. It's for equipping. Amen? Uh, and for you to do the work of the ministry, we do it together. We believe and teach and servant leadership. Uh, and so that is, that is very important. So to break down these, these ministries that, on your outline there, uh, apostle, it actually means a sent one, a commissioned one. Uh, now there is, um, there's three qualifications in scripture that makes an apostle. It is someone who has visually seen the Lord, had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. This is based on first and second Corinthians, someone who's seen Jesus Christ. Number two, have a message from the Lord and begin to establish churches. And three, they walk in the authority of the Lord, but they also have signs and wonders. That Paul said the true mark of an apostle is one who has signs and wonders. And so uh, it's not always in having a business card with Apostle James Eddy on it. Hallelujah. Um, not against that. Most apostles I've met really don't have, are not into titles, uh, although that's perfectly fine to have those titles and uh, those, you know, positions of, of, of uh, authority and recognition. But most apostles are not concerned with that. They're concerned with establishing churches and ministering to the people. Uh, and it's very important. The prophet is a spiritually mature spokesman with a message from the Lord. At times they will have insight into future events, but a prophet means a spokesperson, someone who speaks on behalf of another. So the prophet is um, someone who says, thus says the Lord, and they speak on, ha- uh, on behalf of God. Now this, again, is different than the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is for all of us. We can all be used in the gift of prophecy, but the office, these are offices, uh, two things you can know here about the gifts in the office. The gifts come under the administration, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. They are gifts of the Spirit. They're gifts of the Spirit. No, notice what Paul said here. These offices come from Jesus he himself gave. So Jesus is the administrator over these offices. Uh, he's, this is different than the spiritual gifts. These are actually ministries that people walk in. You can have a gift of teaching, but don't mean you have the office of a teacher. In fact, the Bible says that every Christian should be able to teach. First Timothy says that. Every Christian should be able to teach. First Peter says every Christian should have the ability to explain the hope that we all have. So every, every Christian should have the ability to communicate the gospel, to break down the teach. I recommend parents begin doing this with your kids because the kids will ask you the best questions ever. And... And it's okay to, I don't want to say practice on them, but it's okay to teach them and learn them. But it all, you'll learn a lot by just trying to answer their questions. But that's one of the first things we need to do is learn how to teach. So we all should teach. But then there's an office of a teacher, someone who's anointed and gifted and able to take the truths of God and to communicate them in the way that's relevant and that you can understand and apply them to your life. It takes an anointing to do that. It takes uh, uh, God's gifting and his anointing to, in on a person's life to do that. You grow in that uh, as well. So these are the five-fold gifts there, the, the sentence I have there. These five ministries work together to equip God's people for the establishment of God's kingdom. They work together. It's very, very important. Um, and then I gave you some information about the Assemblies of God who we're affiliated with, we're part of the fellowship. The Assemblies of God is not a denomination. They're a cooperative fellowship. 
Uh, in other words, they, they, our churches are um, self-governing, but I am accountable to a uh, whole district of authorities. I think it's important that everybody be under authority, including me. It's a dangerous place to get to the top of something, look up, and there's nobody there. I think it's very dangerous, so I need accountability. Every leader needs accountability. Uh, the Assemblies of God represent that. So we don't really use a lot of the term apostles in the Assemblies of God Fellowship, although we use the word elders and superintendents. But let me tell you, there is an apostolic anointing that's upon our leadership. I would even tell you that my dad, I saw him here tonight. I don't know where he's at, uh, but planting this church, uh, my dad carried and carries that apostolic anointing in 2002 for him. Number one, he did see the Lord Jesus when he had his massive heart attack and died in, in January 1999. It's a crazy story. I've told it before. I'll have to tell you it again. He had an out-of-body experience, and, and we prayed, and, and that was a whole other story. And God was merciful and granted him life. Uh, by the end of the day, one doctor and two paramedics gave their hearts to Jesus after hearing his out-of-body experience. Uh, he also went to U of M and told his story twice. I went there with him, uh, and it was just an amazing miracle. The doctor says he'll never preach again. He had the widow maker. He, he coded on the table, and he died. Uh, but he, God, like I said, was merciful, restored his life. But they did tell him he'll never preach again. That was in 99. 2002, we planted River of Life. Again, under the anointing and authority that my dad had, also used in miracles. Um, never forget one of the biggest miracles when my dad pastored in the city of Ecorse. The mayor of Ecorse was sick in the hospital, and my dad's church, Down River Assembly of God, was just moving and shaking, man, over there on Saliat Street and was doing miracles. The mayor of Ecorse called my dad. My dad went up to the hospital, put his suit coat over him, prophesied that he was going to be healed in the name of Jesus. Two days later, he walked out of the hospital, totally healed and cured by God, and became one of the members of our church. This is the mayor of Ecorse, Mayor Salisbury. So, I mean, these miracles and these offices sometimes, we think in our mind that it's this person on TBN or on Christian TV or has flying in these jets, whatever. Uh, but I'm telling you that God has apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers all over the place. They just don't always walk in that title, but they have an anointing. Suffice to say, this is our 20th anniversary, and it's because my mom and dad started, planted that church, and I believe they had that apostolic anointing to do that. It's And if you've ever been in ministry, you know that it's just not a good idea to start a church. <laughs> You better have more than a good idea and start a church. Amen? Uh, and so it's got to be God. So I, I gave you the kind of breakdown of the assemblies of God, how we stand on that, and, and the terminology is a little bit different. Um, continuing on in that chapter, Gary, go ahead and read with us. Um, well, let's, you know what, I want to make sure I get plenty of time for the second half of the chapter because I want to finish this entire chapter. Amen. I feel like I'm teaching ETS and want to ask for questions, but we don't want to do that tonight. But amen. You get that. The fivefold ministry. Um, they are um, a gift to the church and, and they are for equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. Paul also mentions there that we are to be rooted and grounded and we, we are not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So let me just throw this in here. Pastors also help us to stay rooted and grounded. So we are not what? Tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine and YouTube channel and AM radio preacher. 
When I first got saved, YouTube wasn't a thing, but AM radio was. And I was getting up at 3.30 in the morning delivering donuts and working at my company job. And I was just so hungry for knowledge, which is good. I li- the dangerous thing is when you're hungry enough, you'll eat anything. And years ago, my dad said, Eddie, there's a danger from eating from too many different tables. Because I came home and I'd have all kinds of information that I heard the guys on. And not everybody on AM radio was bad and not everybody on YouTube is bad. That's not my point. I'm saying that my dad really helped me by bringing me back around and aligning me to the truth. And he would say things like, okay, that scripture that guy said, let's go read the scripture in the Bible. Let's go read the scripture before it and after it and all around it. And let's see what the Bible says because the Bible will interpret itself. You can't just pull a scripture out. First Peter said, no scripture is of private interpretation. In other words, you can't just pull a scripture out of James and say, this is, my, this is what I believe in, and make a doctrine off of it. No, everything must be confirmed by the, by the word of two or three scriptures. You can't just make a doctrine off one scripture. This is Wednesday night. We go deep. We, this is what we do in our scriptures. You guys with me, class? Okay. So, and he helped align me. What was he doing? He was using his apostolic, his pastoral and daddy anointing and helping me being a young Christian hungry for knowledge. He, he began to help me be rooted and grounded so I'm not believing every new thing that comes out. Because believe it or not, churches have fads. Churches have fads. I should preach this on Sunday when everybody's here. But you're listening on the podcast. But it's true. If you've been in the church world long enough, there's fads. The charismatic and Pentecostal movement used to be big in the, in the apostolic and apostle movement. It was, a, it was a fad. Then the prosperity movement came. And, and it's just fads, and you just go through the season. And that's okay to be excited and about some doctrine and teaching. But listen, what about the fundamental doctrines and teachings of the Word of God? Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, being a soul winner. When's the last time we shared our faith with our co-worker? You know what I mean? When's the last time we uh, overcame sin and, and, and hated the, the spirit that is you know, coming against us with temptation and living in holiness and purity? These kind of things are not fashionable. They're not sexy. They're not be- you know, uh, gl- whatever glittery. They're just, they're just common truths that we need to make sure that we know because they help us stay rooted and grounded. And for years, the church has been known for, oh, man, i got to go. This is the new thing. And they run over here, and they get involved with this. And they come out of that prayer meeting and barking like a dog. I mean, all kind of. there's been some crazy fads in the church movement. And they come over here, and, oh, there's this going on. And I'm not saying God don't do miracles and because there's been things. And you can't make, you can't serve God. Let me, you with me, Gary? We need just sound teaching. To keep us rooted and grounded in the fundamentals of the faith. We need it more now than ever. So be careful on these things that people will say, come, you know, look at this and look at this. Listen to this new thing. You got to be careful. I'm all into new wines and all of that and the old wine and all that. But uh, you got to be careful because some of the stuff that's churches, unfortunately, Christians can get carried away into leads them away from the truths of God's word. And I can give you so many examples, but I am not. Then, moving into verse 17 and 24. Gary, won't you read 17 through 24? Amen. You can follow along. Everybody, go ahead. So I say this and affirm in the Lord that you are to no longer walk just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves up to indecent behavior for the practice of every kind of impurity and greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this book. Okay, stop there, Gary. I'm sorry. Let me back up. There's a lot there. This is so loaded right here. Okay, what he's doing right now is he's moving from living in unity to now living in holiness. That's where he's going. That's the theme of seven, verse 17 to the end of the chapter. Now, he's going to give a bunch of simple, practical ways of Christian conduct at the end. But what Gary just read is just packed with so much stuff that I want to just unpack it. First, he uses in verse 17, he says, don't be like the Gentiles who walk in the futility of their mind. So everything he's getting ready to describe It is a result of the unrenewed mind. That's what he's getting ready to describe to us, how we were before we came to Christ and had our mind renewed. And I know it's a process. Everybody say process. Our mind is being renewed. But he he says, don't live like you used to live. But I want you to see the point there, is that if we want to change our life, change our thinking. Change our mind. You want to see a change in your life? Change the way you think. And the Bible calls it renewing our mind. So he, he begins to, and I got in your outline there, five traits of a worldly walk. In other words, five traits of an unrenewed mind. You should see yourself in these five before you came to Christ. And if you're still in one of these areas, well, that's an area that we want to make sure we get the Holy Spirit full attention and full opportunity and availability in that area to help us. But he uses the word futility. Everybody say Futility. That's a Bible word, futile. It actually means empty. It means empty or without purpose. Man, it seems like all year since Vision Sunday, when I preached about identity, vision, and purpose, it just keeps coming around. I don't know if you guys noticed that. But here he says the unrenewed mind, before we come to Christ, we don't know our purpose. And it's a dangerous thing to not know our purpose. I heard one of the pastors today talking about the guy that did the shooting in Texas. And he said, he said it's not just one thing that's going to fix this problem. He said, we need to study this, this man's life. What kind of home did he come from? What kind of this? And they're, they're talking right now to all these different things. But he said something that really caught my attention. He said, this man did not know his purpose. And when you don't know your purpose, you don't value your life and you don't value other people's lives. Because you don't have no meaning. You don't know your meaning or your purpose in life. I said, ooh, that's Bible. That's Bible. What he just said is Bible. And that's, that's true. When you don't know why you're here, abuse and destruction is inevitable, right? And Paul said, that's how we used to think. Before we came to Christ, we really didn't, didn't know why we were here. We were just kind of, what did he say earlier? You're tossed to and fro by whatever's, whatever they're doing over here, whatever's going on on social media, whatever they're doing, whatever the Kardashians are doing, what's TMZ doing, what is this person doing? They're listening to this song. This is the new thing here. And, and it, you know, one thing to be entertained by, that's another thing to, to commit your life to that. And we have a whole generation that is just doing that. We all know that. And, and the thing is, is because we haven't discovered their purpose yet. And that's a result of the unrenewed mind. That's what happens when we don't have our mind renewed. We don't know our purpose. We, we don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here, and we don't know where we're going. Identity, purpose, vision. It just, they just go together. We don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here, and we don't know where we're going. 
So we ended up going over here. We ended up doing this. It's kind of like grocery shopping. I used to deliver for years, so I, I always got revelation in Kroger's or in traffic. This is amazing how God will speak to you when you keep your mind on God. And I would notice the people in the grocery store that was just walking through and just looking. Number one, if you know, my mother-in-law taught me, never go grocery shopping when you're hungry. Years ago, me and my friend Teddy Schmelter, I said, we said, I said, honey, me and Teddy's going to go grocery shopping. So we went grocery shopping. We had, so, we had so much in our cart. We couldn't even pay for it. We had to take stuff back. It was, we were starving to death. That's, we, I'll never forget that. It was at Farmer Jack and Fort Street. It was so embarrassing. He walked away from me, and I'm standing there. But in grocery stores, you'll notice that people, if they don't have a grocery list and they don't know what they're doing, purpose, they end up going through the store, don't we? You've been there, and you just end up, what's going over here? What's going over here? Whatever's going here. Next thing you know, you got a shopping cart full of stuff. But if you have a list written down before you go, somebody say purpose. You know right where you're going, you're going to go in, and you're going to go out. That's my kind of shopping, baby. Let's go right to aisle two, three, four, and six on the way out, and then we're out. Don't even have to turn the car off. I can do it so fast. Purpose is the difference. It's funny when you talk about grocery shopping, some people go through life like that. They have no goals. They have no plan. Well, I'll preach this on Sunday. They don't know where they're going, and so they end up just going into this relationship, into that relationship, putting this in our body, doing this, doing that, and next thing you know, they end up having destruction and pain and bondage, all because they didn't know their purpose. So that's the first thing. Uh, It's in my heart a lot, so I wanted to go deep on that. But Paul said that's all part of the unrenewed mind. Once you get your mind renewed, you know who you are and you know why you're here. And as you begin to read the word of God, what happens? He gives you a grocery list of what to do with your money, what to do with your time, what to do with your body. See, the Holy Spirit not only will lead us out of sin, he'll also lead us to eat more vegetables. Can I go there tonight? I'm saying, if we will let God in every area of our life, he will, he will come in every area of our life. It's not just staying away from the big drugs. Sometimes God will tell us, you need to drink some more water. We, he, he gives us purpose because our bodies is the temple of God. I mean, it's just, I could go all day on that. Okay. Darkened understanding. What does that mean? Now, this is a result from not being with God. Our understanding is darkened. Again, you don't understand your purpose. Romans 1, I don't have time to go there, but it reads it. It goes into more detail about that. Before you come to Christ, you have your understanding is darkened. You just don't understand your purpose. We get that. That's, i got to keep going. Ignorance of God's ways. You just don't know God's ways. You don't know anything. Everything I just said up to now is like new information. Uncaring. This is all result, Paul said right here, of an unrenewed mind. Just very selfish, uncaring. And a hardened heart. Man, you could study those out. And, but we got to keep going. Then verse 22. Go ahead, Gary. Verse 22. That you, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Stop right there. I love that. So he says, now he says, he's talking to us Christians. This is what we're supposed to do is put off the old man, the old conduct, the old, the old Eddie. Okay, put him off, but I want you to catch this. Which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. This is the, 
The sin nature grows more corrupt the more we give in to the desires. It begins with desire. Everybody say desire. It's not the sin. It's the desire is where we're going to wrestle. And you will wrestle for the rest of your Christian life with this issue right here. The desires. Because the desires don't, they don't go away. But you can't feed those desires. I want you to see this, how sin starts. Uh, I think we got it on, on the, on the uh, screen. You got James 1.14. If you got James 1.14, put that up. Watch what James says about this. He said, each one is tempted. How many ever been tempted? How many ever been tempted? This is exactly how it happens. Never thought about it, have you? But listen how, isn't this so true? We're tempted when we're drawn away by our own desires and enticed. So it begins with being enticed. If you ever go fishing, it's that, it's that lure that entices that big fish. It's the same way sin does. You're not even thinking about it. You're not, you know, no one falls into whatever the big sin is. Just walking, sin is not a hole that you just fall into. I didn't know it was there, Pastor Eddie. I just had three affairs on my wife. I don't know how it happened. You know, no one's ever said that. No, it starts, this scripture says, with a desire that's there. It's a desire. If you don't have the desire, he can't tempt you. Ah, so we know it starts with a desire. And Paul is saying right here that the sin nature grows stronger every time we give in to that desire. But watch how James breaks it down. Next verse. Then, when desire has conceived, oh, 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 does conceive, that's like, you know, procreate terms. Yeah. Your actions with your attractions makes it sin. It's one thing to have an attraction. It's another thing to turn it into action. It's one thing to have attractions. Another thing to allow it to turn into action. When you do that, then that's sin. Then that's sin. And watch what sin does. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I love this scripture because it says full grown. See, we like them little toddler sins, don't we? Oh, man, I can handle it, Pastor Eddie. You know what I'm saying? I can handle it. Yeah, you can handle a little four-year-old. But this scripture says you keep playing with that little four-year-old. That little four-year-old is going to start growing a mustache. That little four-year-old is going to begin looking eye-to-eye with you one day. And that little thing that we used to master, we used to just, you know, every now and then pull out and do this here and do that, but we had full control of. Come on, hear me. This is good stuff. I'm glad I came to church tonight. And it's a little toddler. We're in control. I hear it all the time. Pastor Eddie, I can control it. You know, I'm just a little going to this website here and there. It's even helping me in some areas. I've heard people try to tell me some crazy stuff about, you know, we, drugs, all that other stuff out there. You know, lying, it helps me get more sales. It helps me increase. I mean, just fill in the blank, whatever that sin is. This is what happens. Yeah, it, it's an infant stage right now. But let me tell you something. There's going to come a day when that thing is going to have power over you. And you're going to say, okay, I'm done with you now. And it's going to say, don't you touch me. No, no, you're going to do what I'm going to tell you to do. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. But first you start to become a slave to sin. Jesus said, anyone who sins becomes a slave to that sin. What happened? Little Charlie has grown up and become your master. Ooh. That's exactly what scripture says. And when it is full grown, it brings forth death. Something's going to die. Something's going to die. 
Charlie's going to kill something. Usually your walk with God, your relationship with God, it'll first kill your worship. It'll first kill your Bible reading. You won't want to read. Then it kills your church attendance. Then it, it, it kills, usually giving. It starts killing. It, it starts killing, 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 killing. The next thing you know, God is just something that you tried, that you did, or you formed your own religion. Man, is anybody getting this tonight? And what the Bible says in the last day, I think Brother Kavar read it Sunday. In the last days, people will be doing all these crazy things, but they'll have a form of godliness. They'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the very power. Therefore, turn away from them, Timothy, because they have an unrenewed mind, brother. So what do you do with these desires, Pastor Eddie? They're always going to be there. They're always going to be there. Scripture has a lot to say about the desires. Um, I think I got one in Galatians. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You crucify that thing. When I was coming out of alcohol and drugs and that lifestyle, this was something I had to do literally every day. Literally every day. I had to crucify that desire. I had to bring it up in my mind and say, God, I don't want it. Crucify. It was a struggle, but it was a decision that you made. I couldn't do it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Because the Bible says in Romans, if you study this in Romans, he says it like this. By the Spirit, put to death the desires of the flesh. So in other words, before you have the Holy Spirit in your life, you, you're, you're fighting your desires with willpower. I just can't do it. Willpower is never strong enough to break sin's power. You need the Holy Spirit to break its power. Believe me, I've tried it. I tried quitting everything that I did, and it wouldn't work. But when I got saved, I had this ability. I couldn't explain it. I, I could just, I had victory in my life. What was the difference? I had the, the Holy Spirit. But you don't feed that desire. That's the point. If you don't remember anything, remember this. Your desires, our desires, are like stray cats. You know what you do when you put just a little glass of milk out, a little, little bowl of milk out for that little cat? I'm not even into cats, but it's a cute cat. And I, it's gonna, you feed that thing one time. Y'all know. You feed it one time, it's going to come back the next day. And sometimes they bring some friends. They will, oh, yeah, this is where you got the milk from? Yeah, and it's good. That's how them desires are. You feed them. I'm just going to give in this one time, Pastor Ready? Okay, go ahead, because the next day you're going to have two of them at your back door. Talking about, come on, you, it felt so good last time when you gave in to me. Now I got another friend with me. Woo! I'm preaching because I've lived this. I know. I'm not just a spokesman, I'm also a client. This is, this, is how I, this is how I overcome things, by learning the word of God. So he says, crucify that flesh. Don't feed that cat. That cat will leave. Quit feeding it. It'll get hungry enough and it'll run off. By, the, by walking in the spirit, you avoid it. Verse 23 and 24, um, he then tells us how to overcome it. Go ahead, Gary. 23 and 24. And that you are to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, which, is, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Okay. Amen. I love that. But be renewed in your where? In your mind. You see where it starts in your mind. This thing right here is going to cause more problems than any devil in hell. Most of us ain't going to see Satan. Satan ain't chasing me around. 
Then the devil ain't, he's got other things. You see our country, you see the government, you see, that's where the devil is, the prince of the power of the air. He's involved in, he's got bigger fish, fish than fry than you making you get stuck at that red light. Or getting a flat tire. The devil did it. No, you have a nail, honey. It's, a, it's okay. And I'm a, but the devil does come in situations like that. By saying things like this, and this is, the, this is where I believe the demons and the evil spirits, it comes from him, so he does get the blame. And it's stuff like this, if God loved you, you wouldn't have got a flat tire. That's when the enemy gets in there, and I'm just using that for an example, but there's when our flesh and these thoughts begin to come into our mind of doubting God. Uh, but it's our mind. It's the point is most of our problem is our mind. we got to get it renewed. What is Romans 1, or Romans 12, 1 and 2? I think I got it on the screen, but you guys ought to memorize it by now. I beseech you, in other words, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your reasonable service, right? Next verse. And be and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? How do I get transformed, Pastor Eddie? How do I get transformed? Right here it is. You ready? By the renewing of your mind. Everybody say process. It is a process. You can't read the book of Ephesians, come to Wednesday night for four weeks. My mind's renewed. Hallelujah. Get out of the way, cat. I wish it worked that easy. I really do. I wish, you know, men in black, you all ever see that? You know that device? I wish we had our altar team had one of them devices. Right, Gary, you come down and just look right here. And it just, all your old thoughts and memories. Wouldn't that be awesome? I wish that was. But nope, you're going to come up, you're going to get prayer, you're going to go walk out, you're going to get home about 11.30 at night. I mean, know what I'm talking about. This is Christian living 101 right here, right here. And Paul, the greatest apostle ever, is talking about it. And if you want to see his struggle, go over to Romans 6, 7, and 8. He talks about it in depth. He says, there's all, so, all kinds of desires in me. I want to do good, but I find this desire not wanting to do good right here with me. Oh, what a miserable man I am. I'm wanting to do good, but this thing keeps trying to, trying to be at my back door. Then he, then he says this at the end, but who will deliver me from this, this cat? Who will deliver me from these thoughts? I thank God through Christ Jesus, I have the victory and I can be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Give me some praise tonight. Isn't that good? Hallelujah. So renewing our mind, renewing our mind. I can take you over into the next chapter of Ephesians and it tells you how we can renew our mind by reading the word of God. The next chapter, we'll get to it later. He talks about the water, the washing of the water of the word, he says, washes our mind. So when you read the Bible, that's why it's important to read the Bible every day as, as often as you can, seriously. Because listen, if you don't remember anything, remember this. When you read the Bible, it aligns your thinking with God's thinking. And my mind needs alignment. Your mind needs alignment. The more you read, the better the alignment is. You ever give a wheel alignment? I need one right now in my car. And if it gets real bad, you let go of that wheel, it's going to go in the ditch. How many know what I'm talking about? That's a, that's a wheel alignment. Our mind is the same way. Man, I got all kind of illustrations tonight. Amen. From cats to wheel alignments. Your mind can go right over in the ditch all the time. What's happening? You better get it in the garage. Getting in the garage. When you read Ephesians, when you read, and I tell people this, how how much do I read? You read until you get something out of it. 
Read until you get something out of it. I can read one verse sometimes and get something. Sometimes I get nothing. Yvonne, i got to just keep reading it, keep reading it, keep reading. Then I will get something. Right now I'm reading through the whole Bible and I'm doing Old Testament. I just read uh, Ruth. What a powerful story. Love that story. And I got something new out of it. You have to wait till I preach it sometime. And I love the Bible. I just tell you something. Read it till you get something new. Go to Proverbs, I, the Word of God. Get something new. Why? Because it's aligning your thought with Him. If you don't, you go three days, four days. All you're going to be thinking is all kinds of negative stuff. And you're thinking the devil's after you. No, you're not. You're not in your Word. And the old things are coming back. And it's not on God, it's on us. Because he told us in Joshua 1.8, meditate in the word both day and night, and you'll have success. It's not a law. It, it, it's, it's like telling you you've got to eat. Oh, that's law. It's not law. You're going to die. But we say, oh, you're going to tell me to read my Bible? It's a law. But the more you do it, watch this, it's like you're eating healthy. Believe me. I'm older now, so I've got to eat healthy. The more you do it, you'll start to develop an appetite for kale. Trust me. You'll start going, this is pretty good, babe. You can put this kale. She can make chips out of kale. And I'm a snacker. You develop an appetite for the word of God. Same thing. I ain't getting nothing out of it. Keep reading. Keep reading. You start developing an appetite. Then you, you'll go a day or two without it. Your body's like, your spirit's like, get in here. You feel like you're missing something. That's a good problem. You're renewing your mind. Do not be conformed, but transform your mind. I love that. And then he ends the book, the chapter, with Ephesians 25 through 32. Gary, let's see how fast you can read it, brother. brother. Go ahead, go. (laughs) Therefore, ridding yourselves of falsehood, speak truth, each of you, with his neighbor, because we are parts of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. The one who steals must no longer steal, but rather he must labor, producing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but if there is any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so it will give Mm. grace to those who hear. Mm. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not what? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Mm. By whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander must be removed from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Amen. Give Gary a hand. Did some good reading tonight. You read the chapter 4 of Ephesians. So, at the end of the chapter, he gives a bunch of basic, practical, common practices and behaviors that have to do with our speech and conduct. And you can divide them into seven. I've seen some of them divide them into five, but they're just very basic. But here's the point I want you to see. Almost every one of them, he tells you, he tells us not to do it, but then he tells us the why. I, I hope you, you catch that. When you go home and read this later or later in the week, look at, underline the why. That he says this. I'll give you a couple of them there. He's at the very beginning. Therefore, put it away lying. Quit lying. Speak the truth. Why? Look what he says. For we are members of one another. He says, in other words, nobody likes it. How many likes to be lied to? How many just loves it? 
He says, quit lying. Because we're all part of the same family. Back to that unity thing. No, he says, quit lying because nobody likes it. He's telling us the why. Then he says it again. And he says, be angry. So you can be angry, but don't let your emotions cause you to sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, and we all deal with anger. We all deal with anger. But he says, don't let anger push you into sin. And if that happens, be quick to repent. Why? The next verse, because you're going to give place to the devil. Give place to the devil. Would you put a sign out front of your house that says, please welcome Lucifer. Come on in, Satan. Would anybody have that, you know, during a political year we got those things? No, we wouldn't do that. But the Bible teaches, this is another hour-long teaching right here. By the things we say, this thing right here can open the door in invitation to the enemy. When he says, don't make place or opportunity, it's a Greek word which means territory. Don't give him any territory in your life. And it's all, everything he listed was how we treat one another, how we talk to one another. So if that has happened, we need to shut the door. This is why it's so important to make up with one another. Because when we do that, we get rid of the devil. And he loses. He loses. And then he goes on, the whole rest of the chapter is filled with those simple little things about conduct. And that's chapter 4. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight for Ephesians. I love this book, Lord. Many love it. We love your word. We've, like David said in Psalm 119, that he loves your word. Father, I pray that you give all of us a, a deep desire for your word. That we would crave it. We would want to read it and study it and learn it more and more while we're living in these evil, dark days. Father, you would raise up a church and a generation that would be hungry for your word and for the truth so our mind can be renewed and we stay out of the ditches and we don't feed these stray cats and these thoughts, but our mind is fixed on you, as you said in Isaiah 26, 3, that you will give us perfect peace whose mind is stayed on. pray peace over your people tonight everyone listening everybody here in the building God that you would just give us rest tonight give us victory in our minds Father help us Lord as we turn on the news and these conversations and the headlines are so disturbing we are living we've got to be living in these last days Lord that you talked about help us to keep our mind on you and be filled with hope and faith and love not fear and doubt and worry. Help us to do that, Lord. I pray a blessing upon your people tonight in Jesus' name. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.